You know, many of us know the story called the prodigal son, and you can see from the picture what it is I'm going to preach. But it's going to be different from what we usually talk about. Now, let me just give you a 30-second synopsis of the story, just in case for people that don't know about the story called the prodigal son. Let me, actually, let me see. Let me do a survey. If you don't know anything about the prodigal son, can you raise your hand? Let me see if you're here. Okay. All right. Let me tell you the stories. Okay, Jesus in parable, in the parable, he uh, talked about this father, which is to reveal the heavenly father, of course. And he said that this father had two sons, and the younger sons decided to ask the father that, hey, uh, I, I want my share of the inheritance even before you die. I want all of them, and so that I can go and enjoy myself. And notice the father didn't resist him, didn't say, why? Why do you need to do that? He just went ahead and let the child have his inheritance, and you will find out in a few minutes why he wouldn't even resist it. And so anyways, his son took the money, and he went away, and he just spent it on prostitutes, the Bible say, you know, spent it on alcohol, partying, and so forth. And then he got broke, and of course, he was uh, living among the pigs, and he thought to himself, I need to go back, and, and he's going to ask the father to forgive him and make him one of the servants. He's no longer worthy to be a son. And so he ran home, and and they decided to go home, and he had all this thing practiced. He wanted to say to his father, and as soon as he got home, and very far away from home, he noticed his father already been waiting for him. And that's what I have. Father is waiting for many people today. A lot of people feel very guilty and condemned. You know, they they walk away from their faith and they walk away from church, and and uh, they 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 don't know if they should come back because they're embarrassed. But I want to tell you this. Your heavenly Father is waiting for you. If you're watching on the internet and you're not too sure if you want to step back in the church, I want to let you know that your heavenly Father is waiting for you. He's waiting. He's looking out down the street, waiting for you and see when you're going to show up because he's waiting to hug you because you're his son. As soon as he saw his son, he ran towards his son. and He hugged his neck and his son, you know, started to re, you know, pray, uh, say all the things that he, he was rehearsing. But the Father just ignored everything he said. Put a rope on him, put a ring on him, his full son again. Hallelujah. And uh, he's got a sandal. Everything is all as, as new. Not only that, they, the father threw a big party for him. You know, the Word of God says this. If anyone of us give a heart to Jesus, there's a big celebration in heaven. There's a big party. And so there's a lot of noise, a lot of party, and so on and so forth. And the, the, the other son, of course the, 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 of course, the elder son who had never done anything, um, he, he heard about the party that he was not invited to. He didn't get the memorandum. And so he came and, and um, uh, verse 25, we're going to catch, the, uh, catch up from, uh, from verse 25, what, what's going to happen. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. You know, a lot of people think music and dancing is, 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 is sinful. Let's understand there's indulgent lots of whatever, but music and dancing is happy. Come on. You know, so I, I miss those days that when we, when we dance during worship. What happened to all those people that like to dance, you know? You guys should come out and dance. Hallelujah. Dancing is good because it's happy. It makes, you know, it's a happy thing. Anyways, it was dancing and music. And so this elder son called the servant, one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf. Because he had received him back safe and sound. But he was angry at his elder son and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. You know, a lot of times when we see people seemingly have betrayed us or 
betrayed our, the, our, the brethren, you know, left us, you know. Um, we don't understand why God wants to celebrate their return. We don't understand why God would want to extend any grace to them. And they would quote scripture like in Hebrew, you know, for those who had tasted the glory of God. And it's impossible for them to leave the faith. It would be as though they're re-crucifying Jesus. And I explained that scripture a number of weeks ago. And uh, so they, they, they just are mad at the people who had, had, had backslid. We should not be like that. We should be like our Heavenly Father. Are you here this morning? We should celebrate every individual that are returning home. Can I hear a big amen? Come on. Every time when we see someone decided, okay, I want to follow Jesus again, we need to celebrate them. We need, to be like, we, need to be, we need to be like the Father in heaven. Just love them and celebrate them. Anyways, um, but he, um, so, he answered, so his father came and entreated him, verse 29. But, the father, uh, uh, but he answered his father, look, this many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when it's this son of yours who abused your grace, abused your goodness, devour your property with prostitutes, shame your family name, and he comes back and you kill the fattened cow for him, absolutely illogical, unfair. And he said to him, son, and this is what I want to preach on today, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. Let's say it together. All that is mine is yours. One more time. All that is mine is yours. God is saying, the Heavenly Father is saying through this parable that all that is His are yours. There's no reservation there. There's no, no little, little secret deposit that He's still kept away from you. Everything that He had in heaven on earth, everywhere, all of them are yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So I want to concentrate on this. Your inheritance, all that is God is yours. Everything on earth, in heaven, everything. And if this scripture is talking about the Father, and it is, and that the Father has said this, all that is His is yours. Actually, before I continue on, let me back up with another scripture. A lot of people say, well, it is true. I mean, I use extrapolating truth from this story. Is God really saying that? Is there any proof? You know, the Bible says you need to, you know, line upon line, precept upon precept. You need to prove the best way to do Bible study is to use one scripture to prove another scripture. Yes? Amen? So we're not taking things out of context. Are you here this morning? So go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. And the Word of God says, Blessed be the God of the Father, Paul the Apostles, is writing this of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say every spiritual blessing. That includes everything, money, health, etc., as they are all spiritual in heavenly places. Do you realize that, you know, a lot of people say, you know, when I read this scripture a number of years ago, you know, you know, God who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, I go, oh, that's nice. That's so nice. 
But you and I know, both know, and we were thinking, that doesn't do anything. I need to pay my mortgage now. I don't need spiritual blessing. I need some moolah. Hallelujah. Oh, that's so nice. You know, I just got laid off. You know, oh, the spiritual blessing. Oh, you know, and I thought, I think a lot of people believe that this is talking about the gift of the Spirit. It is talking about the gift of the Spirit. But you know, a lot of people just think that spiritual blessing is just spiritual, godly, religious stuff. But then you're probably not interested in going to full-time ministry. You're not interested in going to operating the gift of the Spirit, operating prophecy. And so that's all very nice. But in your head, you know, you're trying to be nice. You go, oh, that's so nice. But you're thinking to yourself, I really can't use any of this. But you realize that when the Bible says spiritual blessings, it includes every blessing because everything originated from the Spirit. Whether it's money, whether it's, it's, it's sickness, we all know. Now, we all convinced, most of us coming from the Word of Faith background, we're convinced that sickness is the result of Adam's sin. Sin came in the world. It's not because of your personal sin per se because God has forgiven you. But sickness is prevailing in this earth because, because of sin is in the world, you know. And so that's why we have sickness. But, you know, we, we understand sickness is from, it's a spiritual thing. And so when I pray for people for sickness, you know, I don't address the physical symptom necessary. We go into the root cause. Hallelujah. We say, by His stripes you are healed in Jesus' name. The spirit of infirmity be gone in Jesus' name. And that's what we get into the spirit. You know, everything, every government that you see, all the dem, uh, geopolitical happenings, you know, you know, including Donald Trump is in the office today because of the spiritual world. You're not convinced. Everything that happened, happens first in the spirit, then it's manifested physically. You say, what about money? I'll tell you this. A lot of people think money is not spiritual. I watch, I, 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 you know, they, they, they money, you know, they're trying to make money, have two jobs, whatever. I'll tell you this. Once you understand how money works spiritually, you're going to have amazing breakthrough in your finances. Do you realize that money is not about dollar and cents? You know, if you study economics, I did. I got a degree in it, glory to God, so I can speak about it. Economics is a studying of the, they say, it's a studying of the flow of money. Yes? <laughs> Just pretend you understand what I say. Just say, yes, amen, pastor, glory to God, yes. Economics is a study of the flow of money. But not necessary because if you understand economics, it's a study of human behavior in mass pertaining to money. When I was in university, we were studying economics, we basically make a lot of assumption about humans' behavior is that number one is that everybody is going to look out for themselves, number one. Everybody is selfish. The only way capitalism is going to work is that everybody is assumed to be selfish. There's always going to be a winner and a loser. You cannot have no loser. If you have no loser, there's no winners. There's economics, basic fundamental economics. So it's studying of the behavior of human being in mass, how they're going to react. So if you are in stock market, you know, you need to study about when people are going to stop spending. And when that happens, which means recession is coming. How do they predict that there's going to be a recession? Why do they keep talking about it? Is that they're predicting human behavior over time through statistics, through historical data. They're predicting those behavior. It's a studying the behavior. That's studying of money. But for us who are in the spirit, I'll tell you this. Money is very spiritual. There is a spirit behind those evil money called spirit of mammons. Are you here this morning? 
But I want to tell you this, is that money, if you understand money, it's a spiritual thing, then you will obey the Lord as He guides you in terms of how you should manage your finances. Tithing and giving is about getting into the spirit world and make things happen in the spirit world so that it can translate into the physical world. You cannot control money any more than you can control wind. If you understand that principle, you will understand how, you know, the spiritual principle of money, then you understand how it works. So everything, my point is, everything that you want God to bless you with, your finances, your debt, your mortgage, your business, everything is spiritual. So you want that spiritual blessing. Can I hear an amen? So every spiritual blessing means everything. And the Bible says, He's given you everything. Now, when I was a young man, I also heard how he was explained. Everything means everything. I sat there and go, that's so nice. But I know, and the preacher knows, I don't get everything. I'm still in debt. I'm still in sickness. I still feel like, not like a son. It doesn't feel like it's right. Who is, who is pulling, who, who is telling the truth? Because what I heard about every spiritual blessing and that all that is of the Father is mine is very contradictory to what I'm experiencing. And if you ask any Christians, they will tell you, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel like I, I have everything. I don't feel like God has given me everything. In fact, I feel like I have less and less. I'm in more debt than ever before. I'm sicker than ever before. And when you say, oh, I have everything, I don't have everything. And some people just spiritualize, you know, they say, oh, it's when Jesus comes back, you know, when you go to heaven, this sort of thing. But this statement never qualifies whether it's when you die or when Jesus comes back. It's just a very blanket statement. So, so, so what's the disconnect? I'll show you the disconnect here. Are you ready? Do you want to know? Oh, you know already. Do you know already? Okay. Who, who doesn't want to know? You can leave, leave right now. If you want to know, I'll continue. In, go to Galatians chapter 4. Let me explain to you what Galatians, the purpose of the book of Galatians is for. As you know, Paul the Apostle would go all to the Gentiles and preach the gospel. And that he would tell them, you're saved by grace through faith. That, that is not of yourself, but it's the grace of God. Yes? And so he preached, and all people believe, and they started to have churches, you know, the gathering. And then before you know it, Paul said that there's some who were so jealous of their freedom. They were preaching the laws. They will come into the midst. They're saying that, oh, it's fine that you are saved by grace, but that's not enough because grace is just 50%. The rest is your own works. So they quote James, faith without works is dead. Some of you have heard the same message before. Are you here this morning? And so they say, oh, no, no, this, you know, you don't need, you don't, you, you know, once you're saved, you know, you just need a lot of work to make sure that you, you still stay saved. They're mixing the grace of God with religious obligations, do's and don'ts and laws. They say it's fine that you got saved initially. But you know, for you, to, in order to be kept in the faith, you need to work, you need to work, you need to pay, you need to work, you need to pay in order to earn and keep your salvation. 
So Paul was very frustrated with them as I am very frustrated with a lot of people these days that's telling the people in this church, you know, and people everywhere, you know, being saved alone is not enough. You need to work at it to earn your keep. And so this is what Paul was saying in the discussion about grace and law. Okay? Chapter 4, verse 1. Paul saying that we are heir with Jesus, joint heir with Jesus. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, he is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. You could be the heir, you could be a child. You can have all the deeds that been uh, all the title of your parents' deeds to you, or that you're gonna get the deeds, but that you will still feel like a slave, because why? You're like a child. What does that mean? Well, he went on to say this: in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Now, in the Bible, there's a many refer reference to the elementary principles of the world in Hebrews, in Ephesians, in Galatians. Elementary principles of the world, as you will learn later, is about observing days and months and tradition, the Jewish traditions and the Jewish law. That's called the elementary principles of the world. But that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer slave, but a son, and if son, then heir through God. In other words, he's telling them that if you were to look at the Jewish people, they needed the law because they have no grace yet. Grace hasn't come yet. Jesus hasn't shown up yet. Great, they have not received Jesus yet. And so they're struggling with this law. You know, God is giving this law as a guardian and a teacher. And so there's no freedom. There's no word of God in their hearts. And they don't discern spiritual things. They don't understand why, you know, thou shalt not murder. They don't understand about all those, about cleanliness and all those different things. And so they, they just, they need guardian. They need something to guard them. It's like, you know, uh, you tell a child, you know, don't cross the street. They'll never understand that. You tell a three-year-old, don't you cross the street. You're going to be ran over by a car. They don't understand that. But you know what they understand? A spanking. You tell them, don't cross the street. I'll spank you. Oh, okay. What is it? They are a child. They don't understand. They can't discern. The Bible says only spiritual discern the spiritual. Because they have not been born again. The spirit is not there. The spirit is dead. So they don't understand. They could not discern the spiritual. I'm talking about the people of Israelites. So they needed the law. But Paul says that then from the fullness of time come, fullness of time come, that's when grace came through Jesus Christ. When grace came, then you're no longer a slave. You are now being adopted. You have the Spirit of God in you that you can cry out our Father. And yet a lot of believers, when they have received grace, they go back to the old ways, the laws. Because they've been told, that it is okay. You need to mix the law and the grace. And so in verse 8, if you go down there, Paul the Apostle said, Formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved by those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God in grace, in Christ Jesus, through salvation by faith, how can you turn back a 
again to the weak and worthless elementary principle of the world whose slaves you want to be once more. Do you observe days and months and seasons and years? I'm afraid I may have labor over you in vain. In other words, even Jesus had come and given you grace, you decided to go back to become a slave again. And that's why a lot of Christians are struggling with realizing the inheritance because in their mind and in their psyche, he said, I need to mix the grace of God with the law of God until I can live up to God's standard. Until I can live up to his holiness, I am not entitled to anything. Ladies and gentlemen, I got news for you. You are the child of God. You are the son of God. Fully, you don't have to earn anything because fully have been given to you freely in Jesus' name by the grace of God in Christ Jesus by faith as long as you had, still have the idea that I, oh, I need to observe this I need to do this better I need to do that better so that I can earn my salvation I can earn my rank they're mixing grace of Jesus and law and religious rules So the objective then is, how then do I become what he says I am? As full son, full daughter of God, enjoying full inheritance, not like a child, i.e. like a slave, needed to be, need to have guardian, need to have rules, feel like you're a slave, have no authority. Slaves have no power. Slaves have all the rules, but no power. Sons, they have all the power. Let me sign, baby. Give me the checkbook. But as a child, you may, have, you may know that you're going to own everything, you know, like Matthew, right? He's not, I don't know where he is, but, you know, Matthew. Matthew and Kristen, I'm sure they know they'll inherit all the mommy and, and daddy had to work so hard for and earn and save, you know. They'll inherit everything, but not yet. Or especially when he's a child, he can't touch my money. I'm going to let him touch my money. I know that if he takes my money, he's gonna, first thing he's going to do is wasting on a few thousand dollars on this gaming computer, you know, that doesn't do anything for him, doesn't put food on the table. Actually, I back to the, actually this day, some gamers can really put food on the table. That's the debate going on between me and my son right now. But anyways, so, you know, he, he doesn't know how to, so, so until he becomes a mature man, even if I have millions, I wouldn't give it to him. So he, as a son, he still feels like a slave. No authority, no power. That's true for a lot of Christians. They feel like they have no authority. They bind the sickness, the sickness laugh at them. They're praying for, for provision, they still feel like a pauper. They confess and they believe, they still feel like a pauper. What's the problem? Because in their mind, they're like a child. So how then do we help ourselves to grow up, to understand who we are, to be convinced of who we are, that we're no longer slave, we're no longer a child, but we're joined heir with Jesus? How do you do that? Well, let me give you an analogy and now we'll get to it. In order for you and I to improve our looks, what do you do every morning? You know, some of you wake up in the morning. What's the first thing you do? And what do you do in the washroom? You look at the mirror. 
And you look at your mirror, your hair is everywhere. Yeah, you got stubble. If some guys, of course, hopefully girls have no stubble, but you know. Yeah, yeah, Shandai. Well, no, hey, wait, 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 wait. Just don't jump the gun now. Come, don't jump the gun. You look at yourself and you say, This is not me. This guy, his hair is everywhere. He's got a stubble everywhere. He, that's not me. You understand that? And then you have your pajamas, you know, maybe you're drooling during the night, so there's some drools here, you know. You say, that's not me. Is it time yet? You know, second service is better. I can, I can just keep preaching, right? We don't have third service yet, hallelujah. Praise God. So, you know, you know you, you, so what do you do? You don't walk away and forget about what you see, right? What do you do? You make improvements. But you don't do it once a week, do you? I feel sorry for you if you do it once a week. I'd be surprised if you can give your, keep your job. You make sure that you all comb properly, you know, tidy. And, and some of you ladies, you know, got lipsticks, you know, and, and uh, you know, got all your hair permed up properly, you know, flat iron, you know, whatever you use, right, to make your hair beautiful. Right, you make changes. But you don't do it once a week, you do it every day. James chapter 1 verse 22 to 25 says, But the doers, the practitioner of the word, not the hearers only, deceiving yourself. For one is a hearer of the word and not doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away and at, the, at once forgets what he was like. Forget what he was like. Forget who he has been, to, forget about who he is, who he truly is. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres in being no hearer who forgets, but doer who what? Acts. Doer who what? Doer who what? Doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Many of us, we look into the mirror. The mirror says, you are a child of God. And we walk away and we feel like we're still slaves. Many of us, when we look into the Word of God, He says that we have all the freedom, all the liberty, and all we are healed, we are provided for. And we look at ourselves and we, we come on Sunday morning, you know, I, it's like I'm taking this big mirror and just looking at you, you know, look at this mirror. And you look at it and go, oh, okay, okay. And then you walk out of here and forget about what I said. Many people walk out of here, can't remember what it is I preach. What did the pastor preach? Uh, he was funny. Right? We look in the mirror, we look in the mirror, and you forget. And if you do it just once a week, honey, it's not going to be helpful. You need to have the mirror every single day to look into the Word of God. What I'm trying to tell you is that you need the Word of God to remind you who you are every day. Because the Word of God will remind you who you are and you will slowly, slowly become and convince of who you are and join air. And so you no longer be like a child. You will grow. You no longer like a slave. You started to understand your authority. Watch this. Last scripture. 1 Corinthians 13. Verse 11. When I was a child, you can actually replace that as slave. When I was a slave, I spoke like a slave, like a child, right? Thought like a slave. Oh, I don't think I'm worthy enough. Oh, I don't know. You don't think, you don't know what I've done three years ago. Oh, my goodness. If you know, you, you know that God, there's a reason why I'm sick. 
If you know what I've done three years ago, you know that's the reason why I'm broke. You know there's a reason why God is not hearing my prayer. That I cannot sense His presence, honey. Listen to this. When I was a child and a slave, I speak like a child or a slave. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Stop reasoning like the people in the world or the religious people in the world. Because when you become a man, when you grow up, you give up those childish ways. For now we see it mirror dimly. So you look, pick up the Bible. You don't see it clearly. You don't understand all that is being taught. But the Word of God says, stand face to face. You keep doing it. It'll be clear one day. Face to face what? Now I know in part because it's very shadowy. I can't see it. Then I shall know fully. Know fully what? Even as I am fully known. What are you fully known of in heaven? Child of God, join air with Jesus. Every single day you need to be reminded. I want to encourage you to spend lots of time in the Word of God. You know, I, I've gone, I've been sharing with people, uh, a few people, I said, you know, I've, I've started this Bible reading exercise that I give to myself. He said, every day I make sure I have two Old Testament. I, have, I read two chapters of Old Testament, one chapter of New Testament, uh, uh, on Psalms and one chapter of New Testament. I guarantee if you do that, you'll finish the whole Bible within a year. Start that. It'll take about half an hour. Don't just browse through, just say, when I sit before the Lord every morning, that's my time with Jesus. I have my nice little espresso, you know, glory to God. And, and I sit down, you know, nobody wakes up yet. And, and I just sit my espresso and say, Holy Spirit, it's me time with you. Teach me. Show me. And I know the Old Testament sometimes is boring, you know. No, well, not, not actually, uh, Genesis and Exodus is pretty exciting. A lot of blood, a lot of love story, you know, a lot of violence going on, you know, guys like me like that, right? Especially those of you just went to see the Avengers, Avengers Endgame, right? You're like, you're like good guys fighting bad guys, whatever, right? But you go to Leviticus and Numbers, oh my goodness, all the numbers, you know, 25,000 men. You know, it's, but you know, God can give you amazing revelation even out of those books. If you were to sit before the Lord and say, God, teach me. I tell you, sometimes you may not realize that He's, he's doing something, but inside you, worship team, you can come out right now. Inside you, Something is changing. I was having a lunch with a, with a rabbi in a city. He's, you know, of course, he's not saved. He's not born again. He's the ra rabbi of the largest synagogue in this area. They say in Canada, but whatever. You know, he bought me lunch. Of course, I will go for it, right? And so we get, went to this kosher thing. I thought me me was kosher. He said, no, no, no. There's nothing kosher in that place. I said, oh, that's a Jewish restaurant. He said, no, no. So he took me to a Jewish, you know. But, you know, I was sharing with him. I say, what do, you, what do you think about the, the Word of God? You know, they, they read the Bible, the Old Testament, right? He say, oh, they're good. You know, they're a good principle. I tell him, I say, listen, man. Every time I read the Word of God, I may not understand that. But I know something in my spirit just changed. There's a quickening in my soul. I will tell you this. When you come before the Lord and sit before Him and read His Word, there's a quickening. You know, many of us like to listen to preachers. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, come and listen to me. I'm, 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 I'm teaching you the Word of God. I'm encouraging you. I'm lifting you up. That's very important. But you know, your main diet got to be straight from heaven. Jesus is teaching you Himself. The other day I was reading his book. You know, I, a, a very famous person, you know, he wrote this book. And, and somebody gave it to me. I was reading this book. I was sitting there and go, oh, Holy Spirit, you taught me that two weeks ago. And I went down and, oh, that's a really good point. You taught me that two years ago. 
It's amazing when God can teach you Himself. It doesn't mean that nobody can speak in your life because you need people to speak in your life to affirm what God has taught you. Nobody's above teaching, amen? But your main diet should be before the Lord and let Him teach you. Because what I do is I take the revelation I receive and I give it to you. You know what you call it? Processed food. It's like milk. The reason you drink milk is because you need grass. You didn't know that, did you? The reason you drink milk is because you need grass. But you can't eat grass. So you need the cow to process it for you. And it comes out as milk and you go and you didn't realize you, you're actually eating grass. But that's why the Word of God says that a lot of us like to drink milk. But He wants to feed you, not processed food only. Nothing wrong with processed food. You know, every now and then I go and have a hamburger, you know. Have a hot dog, you know. Whole processed food, who knows what's in there. But praise God, I pray it, sanctify it. Glory to God, I'm good to go. But you know, your main diet has got to be whole food, yes? Are you here this morning? Solid food. Are you here this morning? That's the Word of God. Worship team. Where's the, oh, they're all there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Now, this is why you need the Word of God as a mirror, right? The Word of God, what does it do? It brings faith. Are you here? I'm going to finish now. And guess what faith brings? Revelation of grace. You can't understand grace if you don't understand faith. That's why a lot of people ignorantly just, just, just mouthing on saying, oh, grace is about permissive theology. Nothing can be further from the truth. You guys preach grace, man. You just, just tell people that they can do whatever they want. That's a lie. That's ignorant talking. Because you cannot understand grace until you understand fully how faith works. You know, one of my favorite preachers, Brother Kenneth Hagin, you know, he was preaching faith all his life. People go to faith seminar. I've been to his faith seminar before. You know, for his preaching, you know, it's just amazing. But at the end of his life, he started to talk about grace. And I remember one time he said, I just, I, this, this revelation of grace is so incredible. I just got into the spirit. I didn't even know where I was. And the next thing I know, I was in the middle of the road because I was so happy celebrating. Do you know that I ran into the middle of the road from his office? You cannot understand grace until you have faith. You cannot have faith until you have the Word of God. Are you here? So this morning I want to encourage you to walk by faith, know faith through the Word of God, and then you know grace. Why is that important? Because when you're fully in grace, you become heir and have full authority over all that has been given to you. I remember one time I was listening to this preacher, you know, uh, years ago in a conference, you know. He was teaching, some of you know this. He said, he would say, he would say to people, say this, money cometh in. Do you know who he is? If you don't know, don't worry about it. But you know, a lot of people did that. Money coming in, nothing. Money coming in, coming Nothing. They coming, no coming, no. It's not true. But actually, work for him. You know why? Because if you are a slave, you can money coming in all you want. Money ain't coming in. But if you understand grace and that now you are fully son, fully daughter, all of a sudden you have authority. 
Your authority is based on your realization of how much of a son you are, not a slave, not a baby, not a child. God will not allow you to exercise your authority in everything He'd given you unless you've grown up and mature. So as long as you think that you still need laws, in other words, still think like a child, you will never be set free and have the authority. 